Let's get into it this morning. Did y'all have a good New Year's? Anyone stay up till midnight or past midnight? I don't know what's wrong with y'all people. I'll try and pray harder. Amen. 10, 10, 30. That's, that's when I ring in the new year. Um, did anyone in here light off fireworks after midnight? Maybe three o'clock in the morning? No, okay, good. Don't have to lay hands on anybody this morning. Thank you, Jesus. My goodness. It is a new year. It is a new year, and we're excited about what God's doing. This is what I want to bear with me this morning. I'm going to start with a scripture, and what I want to do, because there's a lot of imagery, there's a a lot of that in these 11 verses. What I want to do this morning, as I read this, I want everyone to close your eyes, whether you're at home or you're in here. Just close your eyes and try and picture these few verses. They're going to be out of Revelations chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It says, Then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold Spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, and they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you you created what you pleased. Okay, thank you. There's a lot in there, <laughs> a lot of imagery, a lot of depth, and for some, uh, you're probably thinking, awesome, we're going to go really deep in a revelation this morning. Uh, for others, you're thinking, oh my goodness, we're going to go deep in a revelation this morning. <laughs> All right, I'm here to say we are not going to do that. We are going to take these 11 verses, and we are going to take them at face value. We're just going to talk about what's on the surface of these 11 verses, because what is on the surface of what John is writing with this vision is so incredibly powerful that if we just talk about what is on the surface, it will be enough to change our lives going forward from today. We don't have to go into the deep end. We can swim in the shallow end this morning and know that God has amazing things that he wants to say, amazing things that he wants to say. And before before I get really any further, what I want to say, uh, the, 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 the title for this message this morning is New Year, Same God. All right, New Year, Same God. And that all derives from what we read about these four creatures that, that we just talked about and how it says that they keep on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Not kept saying 
or not will say, but even now as we gather in this house and as you are in your homes this morning, they are still saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You see, from December 31st to January 1st, the holiness of God does not change. All right, whether our circumstances are hard or whether our circumstances are great, if we're facing a trial or if we're giving a testimony, the holiness of God is always the same. And it is very holy. And I just wanna say this right now to you all this morning, again, on this first Sunday of the year, that everything that we do here at Beaches Chapel is gonna be centered around and based on the true principle and the true fact that God is holy. Whether it's how we worship, how we preach, how we pray, how we talk about other people, especially those that don't agree with us. Everything, trunk or treat, right? Thanksgiving drives, all the stuff, coffee trucks, all of it is based on the fact that we serve a holy God. And until we understand that and wrap our arms around that, we're gonna be missing the point. And we have to get back to the fact that we serve a holy God, not the other way around. God does not serve us. The elders bow down to him. We sang about it this morning. They lay their crowns at his feet, saying you are worthy of it all. God is worthy, and if we can just understand that, we're gonna, we're gonna avoid so many problems. Last week, uh, B.J. Chandler preached for us. He's a missionary for navigators down in Gainesville. Uh, it's a campus ministry for the University of Florida. If you missed his sermon, by the way, please go back and watch it. He, he brought some fire last week. It was so good. So if you missed it, go ahead and watch it. It's on our website. But he mentioned something that really didn't have much to do with his sermon itself. But he was talking about how he and his family were watching The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And it got me thinking. I was like, oh, my girls haven't seen that yet. We haven't watched that with them. And they're, they're kind of of the age. Might be a little too soon, but whatever. I'm a bad parent. I don't care. Uh, it might be a little too soon. <laughs> But we're going to watch it anyway. And so last week we watched it, and our oldest, she loved it. Our, our middle uh, was a, a little put off by some of the battle scenes. In it, but it's okay. They didn't have any nightmares. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but as I'm watching this, and it's, I mean, it's such a great movie. I mean, C.S. Lewis, what he does to illustrate the gospel in that is so incredible, especially for kids. But as I was watching it, what I loved about it most was just the, the imagination of it all, right? And how, you know, the centaurs and Thomas was like, what is he, half human, half goat or something like that? Um, it's, it's just so cool. You got like mountain lions that are flying, you know, and all of it is just thinking outside this box that we kind of live in when it comes to our imagination, Right? And as we read Revelations 4, on the surface, the words that we read tell us something very important. And that is that God, in his imagination, just blows our mind away. And it tells us that we only know on our best day, the greatest of all Bible scholars only know God just a fraction of a bit. Just a fraction of a bit. He's given us a little glimpse into who he is, and that glimpse is enough to knock us off our feet, but it's only a glimpse. We just read about, I feel when I'm reading this, John, who's, who's writing Revelation, it's like he's trying to explain this vision that he's had in, in the best human words that he can give, right? The best adjectives he can give, but even then it just falls so short. If you go back, he says, it's, it, the, the four animals were like a lion, 
and, and like an ox and like an eagle, but not really. But that's the best that I can explain it because what I saw is beyond my comprehension. And they had six wings and they're all covered in eyeballs. Like, what is that? Right? Who thinks of that? That's, when I read that, I'm like, you know, ew, that's gross. But what it also says is never in my wild, you know, C.S. Lewis, he does a great job combining creatures, right? You got the centaur, which is human and horse. You know, you got the lions that fly with the eagle's wings. It's all just, it's, it's combining things that we know. Well, God has things that we don't have a clue about. We don't understand it at all. The colors, I believe there's fragrances in heaven. There's new tastes in heaven. New donut flavors, thank you, Jesus, in heaven that we have not comprehended yet. We serve a very, very, very big God. And in all of that, he is a holy God. He is a holy God. And I want to read this really quickly. It reminds me of this story. In Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. So when confronted with the presence of God, what Moses does is he has to draw his eyes away from him because the holiness of God is too much. The holiness of God is too much. But what we also see is that he is amazed by it and it draws Moses to God. And what we're doing here at Beaches Chapel in our worship in the Word is putting, is putting God on a pedestal so that people will be drawn into him. Because when God is there, people are amazed by him. Because he offers things that our brain and our mind could never possibly fathom. Here's the point that I want to get to this morning more than anything else is this. I believe that believers and non-believers alike, the Christian that's been following Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years, and the atheist, all have this in common, is that they, the biggest stumbling block that they can, they can confront, we'll say, is the idea that they need to understand God first. I mean, think about this. How many times have you heard or said yourself the phrase, I just don't understand why God would fill in the blank. And when we try to understand God, it's like trying to understand calculus when we're still trying to figure out what two plus two is. All right? Because what we are seeing here in Revelation is that the kingdom of God in heaven is greater than anything we can comprehend. And yet, we try to understand that. And it causes all sorts of issues. Well, let me tell you something. Our job is not to understand 
God. It's to be in reverence of him. It's to bow before him. And that's what we saw the elders doing in this revelation. They bow, they bow. And then as we do that, rather than trying to understand in our flesh, when we surrender and we say, God, yeah, I don't understand, but you are holy and you are far bigger than I could ever dream of being. So I'm gonna surrender to you in your holiness. And it's in those moments that he begins to give us revelation and he begins to give us understanding and he begins to give us new insight into his will, into his love for us. But it doesn't go, but God, I don't get it. Of course you don't. He's too big for us to understand. He's too big. You know, in the new year, our goal, I've said this already, our goal is to say day after day, Lord, you are God. You are God. And as I was reading this verse, this really got me excited. It was Isaiah 43, verse 15, starting in verse 15. He says this through the prophet Isaiah, I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candlestick. God is the one who does it. God is the one who sits on the throne. And we can look back on verses like these. We can look back in our own life. We can look back on this year and we can see God's hand in it. And in doing so, that should draw us to our knees and into praise and saying, yes, God, you are holy. You did this, not me. And what's amazing is when in the hard times, when we're facing trials, We can say, you know, God, I don't understand why you would do this, but in our testimonies, when God does things that are beyond our comprehension, we don't say, no, God, I don't understand why you would do that. We say, yes, thank you, thank you. Isn't it funny how that changes based on the results of of what's going on in our life? We're willing to accept his providence when it's good and his sovereignty when it's good, but when it's bad, oh, I don't understand. He's not holy on this day and not on the other. It's always, always he is holy. And if we as a church, as we in our homes can get to that point where we ignore the circumstances, whatever 2020 looked like and whatever 2021 might look like, and we just continue to beat the drum of God is holy, he will move. Because check this out, as it keeps going in Isaiah verse uh, 18, he says, but forget all that. Yes, that happened, but check this out. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. Come on, for I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in dry wastelands. So yes, we stand on the testimony of God, but we also understand that there is more to come, church. Listen, I can't do this myself. Y'all there? Come on now. I need need to get to church some of that coffee early, man. I need to wake up. Y'all, it's happening. It is happening. Okay, God is on the move. 
Our question is going to be, are you on the boat or not? Because the train is leaving the station, whatever, whatever else you want to use. But he's moving. He's moving. He's doing something new. And it's, the reason I know that is because every time I talk to anyone that has a ministry or work, it's not just a beach, it's chapel. Everybody is saying the same thing. B, BJ's uh, sermon last week, we didn't have a consultation beforehand. He just brought what God put on his heart. And that's what we've been sharing. God is moving. He is doing something new. And the way that he's doing it is he is drawing us back to him. He is drawing us back to the holiness of God where we can have our minds blown by what he's gonna do. Pastor Tina said it this morning. Guess what? That wasn't scripted either. God put that on her heart. And you know what? It's true. He is going to blow your mind with the things that he does in and through you this year. In and through us this year. We've already heard testimonies. We've already heard them. And there's more that are coming. If we understand that our job first is to bow at the feet of Jesus and his holiness, not try and understand everything he's doing. The understanding comes when we're on our knees. That's how it happens, not the other way around. Will we continue day after day, night after night? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Listen, y'all, we, we can't get there by doing it the same way we've always done it. There's more. There's more. That's why we said this morning, look, for all of us in here, it's time to raise our hands a little higher. It's time to shout a little louder. It's time to spend time in worship in the quiet place a little longer to get back to the holiness of God and be in reverence of him because there's things about him that he's so great and so massive we just don't get yet and we never will until we're in heaven and we see it for ourselves and we don't have to try and explain it in earthly words. Like it's, it's like this, but it's not that at all really. You know, I guess the best I could explain is like this, but even that just falls so short. It's so much more than that. That's our God, hallelujah. So we're gonna have the band come back up and we're gonna sing that song again, worthy of it all this morning. I want to read this verse. I actually mentioned it last Sunday. It's out of Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 4. It says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Jesus is talking. It says, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets go down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as, they were, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I love Peter's reaction in this story. There's a couple, actually. The first is when Jesus tells him, hey, cast that net on the other side. Let's remember, Peter is a fisherman. That's his job. That's his vocation. And here comes this carpenter 
telling him how to do his job. They ain't going to tell me how to do it. I've been out here all night. I didn't catch a thing. You think going to the other side of the boat's going to do anything different? I don't know. Sound familiar? I know what I'm doing. I've done this a million times. I've been to church a million times. I know how to lift my hands. I've opened the Bible. I know how to pray. Listen, y'all. I'm not interested in, in, in bringing in empty nets. I don't want to do that anymore. There's fish out there. There's people out there that need to be sitting in these seats. And so instead of relying on our understanding, let's be like Peter and say, okay, Jesus, I've tried it this way, but if you say so, I'm not going to worry about trying to understand why. I'm just going to do it. And I'm going to drop my nets on this side. And then as he sees the fish coming in and they're yelling and the two boats start to sink, almost, they're on the verge. Can we just speak that over Beaches Chapel right now? That we might look like we're on the verge of the, of the walls bursting out. It's going to happen. Peter sees these nets and these fish and the boats and they're sinking. And you know what he does? He, he repents. He falls to his knees. He says, Jesus, I'm, I'm a sinner. He's repenting in that moment. Because what he's realized is the holiness of God. And how dare he ever even question it for a moment. For a moment. And that brought him to his knees. Because what he saw when he trusted God was more than he could have ever imagined. Maybe a few fish. Maybe enough for breakfast. Maybe enough to sell. But not so many that the nets are going to rip and they're going to have to get another boat. And even still, they almost start sinking. We need to let go of trying to figure, of understanding God and asking that question, God, I just don't understand why you would do this. And acknowledge that he's holy in it. He's holy every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day. That's it. That's all we need to know. That's all we need to know. And so if we can surrender the understanding, then God will move. And he will do a new thing. And there will be nets that will be on the verge of breaking because the holiness of God will be so thick that people just like Moses will be drawn to him. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all, it's not up to us. It's not up to us. God is confident in who he is. If you want to try and understand something, you want to try and wrap your brain around something, try and understand that a God who is so holy, whose kingdom is heaven, with all sorts of different things that we've never experienced in our life, would leave to come down to be among us and to die on a cross, beaten, flesh ripped off of his back, thorns dug into his scalp, nails into his legs and into his wrists for a people that would largely reject him. The holiness of God is the love of God for each one of us. That is our focus. That understanding is that he loves you so much that he is taking the burden of trying to understand off of us 
said, just come to me. I died for you so that you wouldn't have to worry about these things. In my holiness, I left that to give you everything by dying on the cross for you. That's what it's all about. So let's stand this morning. Let's enter back into worship. But before we do, if you have not received the love of Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity this morning. Remember, it's not about understanding. It's about receiving and submitting to him. The Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We're all in the same boat. We don't earn it. Right? It's not about living a good life or being a good person. The holiness of God covers that. It's about believing in our heart and professing with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then we will be saved and we'll be able to experience all that heaven has for us. And God will, will rain down his grace on us every single day. And that little fraction of God that we know will just grow a little bit more every single day as we run to his altar. But if that's you this morning, don't waste another moment. Receive Jesus. Receive his love that covers all sin, all mess ups, all those things that are buried in our heart. And just take a moment before we start worshiping again. If that's you, just say that prayer. Say, Lord, I believe, come into my heart.